0: Chapter 11, I had no idea how much meaning in life I had chosen by choosing seminary life. By choosing that life out of all my options of either cathedral high school or the military academy or my basketball career, all of that, I had no idea. It became immediately evident that as soon as I entered seminary life at Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary in Santa Fe, New Mexico, my life changed as dramatically as it had when I left my mom's side and my home in Las Cruces and took up residence at Tapiac Hall with my brother in El Paso, Texas. It took many years later to arrive upon the realization of how I was literally leaping from one level of life to an entirely superior one, going from one transforming moment to another one. The new level carried me through 12 years of semi-monastic living. And though throughout those 12 years, I was only under the aegis of the seminary routine for nine months out of the 12-month 12 12 period, I was expected to live monastically for 12 months out of the year, meaning that the three months vacation which we spent at home out of seminary were to be lived on honoring our vocation to the priesthood. And that was to be living monastically. The way they put it was to be in the world, but not of the world. And basically, monastic living entails focusing 99% of one's time and energy on cultivating one's spiritual life. But the thing is, monastic life also offers the tools for cultivating monastic life or spiritual life. The emphasis is not on what one is giving up, but the emphasis is definitely on what one is gaining by gaining the spiritual life. On the surface, it may appear that the world of sports, both amateur and professional, is not of pop culture in our nation, but I I believe that professional sports as well as amateur sports is very much of our general culture, as it is with many societies of many nations because the society means to transmit the interest in sports and the whole culture of sports onto the next generation. Accordingly, the world of sports was not restricted to one, of, to one pursuing a vocation, a calling to the priesthood. In very strict monastic life, sports world, as well as the current events of the world, of the nation, are, not, are, are part of what one gives up like, for instance, the Trappist Monastery. They live as hermits, although they live in a community, because they don't speak to one another. They give up speaking. The same with the Discalced Carmelite nuns. Discalce means barefooted. They, too, give up speaking to each other. They live in community, but they live like hermits. By way of background, let me point out that seminary life in the Catholic Church which I participated in from 1948 to 61, took place in either a minor seminary or a major seminary. And the minor seminary was then four years of high school courses conducted according to standards, which are enacted by the, uh, the state for all high schools. And the seminary, like other private high, private high schools, can add religious courses to the ones that are dictated by the state as necessary for a valid high school diploma. The major seminary which I went to also had two years of college. I only attended one year at that minor seminary because my diocese sought to it that I got transferred in my sophomore year to a major seminary. And a major seminary includes four years of college and four years added of theological studies regional accrediting agencies which accredit the state secular colleges and universities are the ones which accredit seminary colleges the catholic church accredits the theological curricula that each seminary that each major seminary has the four years of theology courses which i took in the grades and the grades which i earned allowed me to test out for a ba in sacred theology called an stb instead of ba because it stands for a bachelor in sacred theology. And I earned that in addition to the BA, which I had already earned in philosophy. And for the college grades that I was also earned, that I had also earned, and besides the STB, uh, awarded by Tulane University, I was also awarded a master's in religious education. The level of reality which I had jumped into by selecting seminary life gave me not only a regular high school diploma, from a highly disciplined seminary high school. It gave me a college education with a degree in a BA in philosophy, as I said, and from a seminary college, which was accredited by by the Northwest Accrediting, Accrediting Agency. And to repeat the four years of theology courses, earned for me an added BA, referred to as an STB in and it's a ba a bachelor in sacred theology and that came from notre dame and the curriculum in my grades also earned me a masters in religious education it's a very specialized particular branch of education it's important to be aware that not all seminarians not all, not everybody that starts studying for the priesthood goes to a minor seminary in fact very few go. It's a minority of us students that start in high, in high school, freshmen in high school. Most started a major seminary, which starts with four years of college and four years of theology. More importantly, those 12 years in the seminary educational institutions inculcated in me what the psychologist Abraham Maslow came to call the realization of one's highest potential the realization of one's highest potential, or the cultivation of self-actualization needs. Maslow developed a theory that included uh, needs at different levels, starting with survival needs, security needs, social needs, ego esteem needs, and at the top of the pyramid was what he called self-actualization needs. In the secular world, the people that we consider outstanding in law or medicine or uh, business. Those are the people that have achieved self-actualization needs. They go over and beyond and they become the captains of industry. It's men and women uh, who become outstanding because they challenge themselves much more, way more than the average man or woman. It was actually his theory of self-actualization which was underpinning all my education and training in seminary life. And I seriously doubt that any of my professors or trainers were formally acquainted with Maslow's psychology, because I doubt that their education had introduced him to their study, unless they were students of psychology, which most of them were not. Those faculties were transmitting to us what was our calling, that our calling was of the highest caliber. And we were expected to meet it with interest to sharpen our highest potential at every turn of our preparation. Whether we were studying secular studies or religious, qua-religious studies, we needed to sharpen our highest potential in everything we learned. Can you imagine the self image which that managed to inculcate in us as we repeatedly processed that the message, that the majesty rather, of the call which we were responding to was lending of its majesty on us, its pursuers, and we needed to live up to that? Even when we were not studying matters directly related to our calling, we were being reminded that even secular subjects in the study of them contributed to a positive self-image for each of us. And so our self-image grew, and with that our self-confidence grew. That pertained to me as well as to all that I was studying with. When I arrived upon my ninth year, which meant I had completed four years of high school and four years of college, in my ninth year of seminary life, by then I had gone through four years of high school and four years of college, I had arrived upon the study of theology. And getting to that point had served as the goal with the most visible gravitational pull for me. I realized later that during my high school and college years, what kept me in seminary life, what kept pulling me forward, was the goal of getting to study theology. In my mind, what separated priests from all other role models was that they had studied theology. That word was loaded with a powerful meaning for me. It meant the study of what made the mysteries of spirituality tick, as it were. It was as if I knew that the mysteries pertaining to God were ununderstandable by us humans, but by studying theology I somehow assumed that we would at least find out what made them mysterious or so impenetrable having been around priests as much as I had been, as I've described in detail before, gave me many opportunities to hear them allude to the fascination of delving into the mysteries of theology. Those priests dropped the casual hint that one can only understand that fascination by actually being involved in studying the mysteries, which theology explores. So to get to that point of my ninth year of preparation for the elusive ordination to the priesthood was both monumental and pivotal. I had no idea I would feel emotionally that now I'm automatically studying for the priesthood. Up until then, intellectually, I knew that I was studying for the priesthood, but I made a switch emotionally once I started theology. Graduating from college was no big deal for any of us that were in the seminary. In fact, I was in the shower when somebody shouted out to me that I owed them a dollar, because they had put my certificate, my graduation certificate on top of my desk. That was my graduation ceremony. We didn't put any any value on graduating from college. We were also looking forward to being first-year theologians. We picked up that self-image from dozens and dozens of seminarians ahead of us. It was the tradition in our major seminary, like it must be in all major seminaries. And once you reach the first year of theology, you can call yourself a theologian. We were merely students in the first year of theology, but already our self-image was that of one involved in the study of the mysteries about God Almighty, and that was huge. By, By way of background, I need to outline the titles of those courses in this sublime, what we consider this sublime subject. The four years of theology included, and again, I'll be brief, but just I'll give you the titles. Four years of Catholic dogmatic theology, four years of Catholic moral theology, four years of Catholic ascetical theology, and four years of biblical, Catholic biblical theology. And that biblical theology included hermeneutics which means the study of interpretation of sacred texts. Hermeneutics can then pertain to studying texts of the Hebrew Old Testament or of the Upanishads of the Hindu religion. Also included in our theology courses were courses in Catholic church history, Catholic liturgy, homiletics, and Catholic canon law. And I stipulate Catholic over and over again for each subject because, of course, there exist many other Christian denominations who also teach these subjects, some of them or all of them, but obviously not the Catholic version. And our version was obviously the Catholic version. I'm delineating in detail these, I'm delineating, delineating these details to highlight in what precise fashion, my nine bins of attitudes, beliefs, customs, ethnic identification, feelings, interests, self-perception, traditions, and values, my spiritual values especially, how all of that was being imbued by the Catholic ABC, EFIS-TV. I had mentioned earlier that what I added to that uh, that way of looking at one's subconsciousness with those nine bins. What I added to that from the psychiatrist that I borrowed those nine concepts from was that he had said that this is what our culture constitutes. This is what our culture gives us. I had said I believe that our culture gives us those attitudes, beliefs, etc. But also our family contributes to those ABCs, EFIs, STVs, and so does our religious upbringing or what we believe about religion, what we believe about the spiritual life. And so it's important to note that I realized uh, many years later that by the seminary training that I uh, received in those 12 years, I was heavily imbued with what the Catholic Church believes about our attitudes and our beliefs and our customs and our ethnic identification, our feelings and our interests and our self-perception uh, especially being self, the self-perception of being a son or a daughter of the Creator. Uh, I had already had an active ABC, EFI, STV by the time that I arrived at this point of my preparation, but I want to put in relief form how that entire series of uh, values was positively enriched by my embarking in theology studies. I did not avert to that fact at the time in any conscious way, but my feelings of security, my feelings that I was on the path to ordination had to have been because I felt that my subconsciousness was growing by leaps and bounds and going for a fullness and a fulfillment, but I had no idea where all that was coming from. I became more and more concerned or convinced that the life I was leading was the only one I could possibly belong to. My last four years were solidified into believing that I had chosen just the right thing. Those nine bins of ABC, EFI, STV were present within me, and although I had no no conscious awareness what I would do with the facts which I was learning about our material world, or about the truths which I was unmasking about the world of spirit, and mine in particular, those nine bins were swelling up with freshness and a fullness which I knew not how to describe. I just felt myself growing in leaps and bounds and expanding in many directions. Looking back, I can now see, but did not see then, that the storage process in the memory banks of my mind had to have been involved in categorizing facts and truths into those nine bins. I have since come to learn that facts are about realities which have a beginning, a middle, and an end. They are about our material reality. Truths are about eternal verities and belong to the world of spirit. For instance, our mathematical, physical, chemical, biological, and quantum physics sciences are about facts which we learn through those sciences. Our metaphysical sciences are those truths or about truths, rather, gleaned from revelation or gleaned instinctually. Instinctually means by intuition, as that term is used in philosophy. It means acquiring knowledge about some reality of the spirit domain. And we gain that knowledge through direct experience of our higher faculties, such as altered awareness. And I repeat... It was sheer instinct by which I chose a course of study which was underpinned by Maslow's theory of self-actualization. The last thing on my mind when I chose seminary life was the development of my highest potential. I was choosing to go to Santa Fe, New Mexico and McLeod Heart of Mary Seminary because that would lead eventually to go to the seminary, a major seminary in Denver, four years later or six years later where I assumed I would go. And sure enough, I wound up at St. Thomas Major Seminary in Denver. Not only would I be giving up pop culture by going to Santa Fe, I began the process of letting go of my skill in basketball. And I began to let go of that and not even realize it. When I arrived at Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary, I found that they did not even have a gym. There was an outdoor piece of dirt floor with one goal only, and that dirt playing field was like the one that I had given up when I left Las Cruces two years earlier and had gone to live in a building which, among many other things, featured a basketball indoor gym. The one goal in Santa Fe didn't even have a net. That's when I started losing my basketball skills, for there was no environment conducive to practicing my skills in that sport. What I did find was an all-male faculty, whereas up to now I had had eight grades of all-female faculty. So I went from all-Catholic nuns to all-Catholic priests and talk about a faculty of diversity. We had one professor from Holland, one from Belgium, one from Poland, one from Ireland, One from New Mexico, one from I don't know where, and one with its German surname, but I don't think it came from Germany, but he was very German. Think of the diversity of ABCs, EFIs, and STVs. The one thing they had in common was that they were all Catholic, but their cultural backgrounds were all very, very diverse. There had been a huge diversity between my my maternal families. A, B, C, E, F, I, S, T, V compared to that of the 8th grade uh, Catholic nuns, most of whom were Irish descent. But the difference in degree did not compare to the difference between the Dutch and the Belgian, the Polish, the Irish, the New Mexican like me, and the German compared to what I brought to the table after the powerful influence of the Tapiac family which I had lived with for two years of tectonic change as I look back. What my Santa Fe faculty had in common was, of course, they were all male and they were all priests, and they were all intent on preparing us for college and theological studies. What would be glaringly absent was the absence of women's input in my seminary training. I had had a healthy and wonderful woman's input for eight solid years from. Catholic nuns from kindergarten to eighth grade. It was them, in those eight years of elementary schooling, it was from them that I learned of Jesus and his teachings and was powerfully imbued with impressions about what to do with all of that. Very solid impressions of what to do with all of that. Just as I knew my ABCs of the alphabet and my one two threes of math, by the time I went to that high school sim, I already knew what a Catholic needs to do to be a true Christian and how one does that sort of thing. I had learned about the Trinity and that that meant God was one nature only but three persons sharing it. I also knew that Jesus was one of the, those three persons from the Trinity and that that one person only had two natures a divine one and a human one. I didn't know why those were mysteries because I didn't understand what a a nature was and what a person was. Nobody ever defined that for me in any sense, in any way that made sense, until I got to philosophy and studied Aristotle. It was his definition of a person and a nature that showed me why the Trinity is a mystery and why the divinity of Jesus Christ is a mystery, one divine person with two natures, whereas the triune God is three persons with one nature. I knew to expect that even adults did not understand how those things could be because they were mysteries. But as I say, I didn't know why they were mysteries. had no idea, didn't even know how to ask the question. I already knew that mysteries were by definition something that our minds could not understand. In adult life, I heard a definition of mysteries which is totally different, but equally true. There's a Father Richard Rohr. He's a Franciscan priest who has a contemplative center of action in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he defines a mystery as something that is infinitely knowable. That makes it much easier too. Rest next to a mystery, knowing that I'm not going to fully understand it, but I'll know little bits of it as I go through whatever period of time or whatever eternity I'm in. And I had also learned from those nuns that the mission of Jesus was to save us and to teach us what to believe about the Father, His Father, our Father. The first time that I heard, about Jesus in uh, kindergarten from Sister Rose Anthony. She was a Loretta nun and she was telling us that this Jesus was nailed to a cross until he died and that he hung there for three hours. I went home crying thinking that it had just happened like last week. I also learned that that same Jesus was, that that was the same Jesus who had been born in a barn and whose birthday we celebrated on Christmas and that we we received presents because it was his birthday. I also learned to revere but not to worship Mary, the mother of Jesus, and that she was also called the mother of God. Another mystery. Up to the end of my eighth grade, I still did not understand what was significant about Mary being a virgin. I thought virgin meant holy, and I thought many of the nuns that were our teachers were very holy.